Hi, this is Alana Terry. You're listening to Season 3 of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. This season's Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook is Torn Asunder, a Christian suspense novel set in North Korea, written by me, Alana Terry, narrated by Pamela Lawrence, and sponsored by our Patreon community, which is raising funds for liberty in North Korea's Underground Railroad for refugees. You can find out how you can be involved and how you can also get regular Christian fiction ebooks and audiobooks and sometimes even paperbacks when you join our Patreon community at patreon.com slash alanateri. And now enjoy today's episode of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast, bringing you today's episode of Torn Asunder. Chapter 12 As sunlight poured in through the small window, Hannah slept. She dreamed she was swinging in the hammock in Mrs. Stern's garden. The sun enveloped her in its rays and warmed her all the way to the center of her being. The pain in her leg was gone. Her stomach was full. The sweet, earthy scent of marigolds blended with the heady fragrance of jasmine. The roses were in bloom. From inside she heard the murmured prayers of the other secret seminary students. He came up behind her like a soft breeze and stroked her cheek with his finger. A sudden, delightful chill pricked at her neck, and the leaves rustled above them. She reached up and touched his hand, closed her eyes, and breathed in his smell. Shouldn't you be in there with the rest of them? His voice was distant, muffled somehow. She couldn't tell if his tone was accusatory or not. She strained her ears. Inside the house, their comrades interceded with fervor for the leaders of North Korea, for refugees trying to escape, for believers in prison camps. We better go inside, she whispered. She made a move to get up, but her body was too heavy, the air itself weighing her down like layer after layer of quilts. Do we have to? She heard the smile in his voice as he joined her in the hammock. Waves of heat danced up her back as he snuggled up behind her, curled up against her, wrapped his arms around her. The hammock swayed, but there was plenty of room for them to share. She had never been so close to him before, but it was familiar, like a cup of Mrs. Stern's sweetened tea, just the right temperature, perfectly steeped. His fingers glided slowly through her hair. Her head rested on the soft spot between his shoulder and bicep. I want to stay here, she confessed. I don't want to go anywhere. Me either. His lips brushed against her ear, the sensation of that first tender kiss shooting tendrils of ice and comfort that eventually settled down deep in her belly. When Hannah woke up, her pillow was soaked in tears, and she shivered from the cold. Simon's body slumped to the floor. His limbs ached, but he knew his injuries paled in comparison to what Hannah endured during the past two weeks in Chongjin. He gritted his teeth, wishing he could smash his head against the concrete wall and end his miserable, pitiful existence. The mere thought of her 
threatened to steal away his last remnants of sanity. He remembered her eyes, always so trusting, so gentle. In the past, her tender gaze had been enough to encourage him, comfort him, embolden him. He wasn't even sure he would have completed his training if she hadn't stared at him so often with such frank admiration. Giving up hadn't been an option. When she looked at him, she saw a saint, a hero. Now she knew what he really was. Shame pressed down on him like the lid on a coffin. How could he ever stand tall again? How could he continue on after failing the woman he loved? Yes, he loved her. He had always loved her. From that first night in Mrs. Stern's garden, that first conversation they shared, his heart belonged to her. He tried to fight it, deceived himself into believing his emotions were under control. He had ignored his heart and tried to reason his affection away. He could never be with her. He had swallowed down his love, and now he found himself drowning in a tsunami of regrets and impossible yearnings. He loved her. How easily he could admit it to himself now, when both their lives were forfeit. He loved her, and that's why he couldn't lift his head anymore. If he had been able to keep tighter control over his emotions, if he had followed through with his mission instead of charging after her like a gallant, errant fool, she would have never been caught. It was his fault she was captured, his love for her that put her through such unthinkable torment. And yet, if he had to make those choices again, he would only be fated to watch himself repeat the same offenses a hundred times over. He loved her. And now that he acknowledged the truth, he knew he would never find a way to stop loving her. It was just as well God took her away. Such idols need to be exercised entirely, plucked like weeds before they have a chance to grow and choke out all surrounding life. A love like theirs could never find fulfillment. A love like theirs could only end in tragedy. He couldn't tell if it was day or night when the two men forced their way into his dark cell and yanked off his ankle cuffs. He hadn't eaten in days, refusing the cold gruel the guard passed under the slats of his cage. He didn't care about food, didn't care about relieving himself in his little tin pail, didn't care that his skin was blistering with infection. When the two men lifted him to his feet, he felt no fear. They would kill him eventually. Why not today? Simon was nothing more than a stopwatch. With only a few ticks left on the second hand, did it matter what happened before his time finally ran out? He hated his legs for supporting his weight as he followed the guards down the hall. He had to stop thinking about Hannah and her twisted leg, the way she hobbled away from him. He had to stop thinking about the curve of her shoulders and the gentleness in her eyes. He had to stop thinking about the way she hugged him in the woods, the feel of her skin as they clasped hands in the dark cell. He shook his head, wishing to rattle the memories loose and be rid of them forever. His love for her was a weakness that had to be carved out of his heart permanently. 
He was weeping by the time the men led him outside the Chongjin jail, but he didn't notice the blinding light of the afternoon sun or the bitter wind stinging his cheeks. He didn't notice the rough hands that shoved him into the van or the smell of old gasoline and exhaust. All he thought about was Hannah, the one he had vowed to exercise from his heart, the one he could never stop thinking about, no matter how hard he tried. When the van started moving, Simon barely saw anything. He lost track of how long they had been driving and only remembered the sadness in Hannah's eyes when he last saw her. A thousand reprimands shot from her gaze and pierced his soul like a torturer's needle. He would welcome the interrogation chair if it would rip away that single memory. Eventually, they arrived at a mass of barbed wire, as tall as a man. A guard stationed at the gate waved them through, and Simon counted six more patrolmen stationed in watchtowers. The van passed through each of the security checkpoints without event. Simon straightened in his seat. Two men in drab gray prison uniforms slumped along, each laden with a large bucket that sloshed onto their bare feet. Some young children gathered in a little huddle, picking up sticks. A pig in a sty behind them poked its nose around in the dirt. The animal was the only creature in sight that didn't look like it was starving. The van eventually stopped in front of a squat building. A sign flapped in the breeze. Administration. Simon thought about what comfort he could whisper to Hannah, and he had to remind himself yet again she was gone. It was like the loss of a limb. He might never fully get over his phantom urges to talk with her. He thought of their last night together in Yanji, lifetimes removed from interrogations and starvation and failed missions. There are no goodbyes in the kingdom of heaven, she had breathed so confidently. If only they had known back then what awaited them. The men prodded him out of the van with slow, lazy movements. They held him by both elbows, but he walked himself up to the administration building. He had failed the believers he was sent to serve. He had failed Hannah. Now he would pay for his mistakes, but at least he could still carry himself. He wouldn't let them drag him to his fate like a coward. One of the guards swung the front door open and he made sure to cross the threshold before anyone else. A tired-looking man whose cap was several sizes too large glanced up from a thick file. Without ceremony, the guard passed him a sealed envelope. The clerk opened it with a yawn, and once he finished perusing it, he fixed his gaze on Simon. "'You're at Camp 22. You are prisoner number 39846.' The corner of his eye twitched. You are here until you die. Chapter 13 It was close to evening by the time Hannah's full bladder finally forced her to limp out of the bedroom. Mr. Kim sat hunched over the box the young man brought over earlier. He straightened and cleared his throat. Hannah blushed. I... I guess your company has left. Mr. Kim's brow furrowed even deeper, but he said nothing. She had never been particularly close to Mr. Stern, 
but she missed the American's fatherly ways. She swallowed, grateful her throat wasn't quite as raw. She looked around once, hoping to catch a glimpse of So Young. Your daughter is... Making a delivery. Hannah wasn't sure if she should keep on standing there or just hobble back to her room. She couldn't stop shivering. Her head throbbed. A wave of relief soothed her burning cheeks when the front door opened and Sue Young dashed in, just barely dodging one of the chairs near the entryway. Quan rushed after her, his arms high above his head, his growls and snarls intermingled with snorts of laughter. Daughter, Mr. Kim barked, but it took So Young another several seconds to gain control of her momentum. She was panting and laughing at the same time. Her squeals only intensified when Quan picked her up over his head with a deafening roar. Hannah felt Mr. Kim's displeasure. Waves of irritation the two playfellows either couldn't detect or chose to ignore. When So Young's giggles finally subsided, Quan set her upright on her feet. That's enough, Mr. Kim mumbled. Nobody responded. Will you be staying the night, Brother Quan? So Young tugged on his hand. During the great hardship, Hannah used to joke that her family of adopted flower swallows would one day pull her shoulder out of joint from yanking her so hard like that. She took a deep breath, hoping to ease the heaviness of her memories. Yes, there had been laughter then, too. The children weren't so physically boisterous, but when they were lucky enough to find scraps to fill their distended bellies, they could make a commotion to rival the safe-house cacophony. Quan lifted his arms as So Young held on, letting her legs dangle several centimeters off the floor. Hannah was surprised by his strength. All the other Koreans she knew were from the north, where even the village police were malnourished weaklings. I've got to cross one more time, Quan answered. Moses. Everyone stopped. Their heads snapped toward Hannah. So Young straightened her legs and stood on her own feet. Her smile faded, and she took a small step behind Quan. He brought his hands together and cracked several of his knuckles one after the other. That is, I meant... The heat from Mr. Kim's scowl was directed at the young man, but it radiated outward and made Hannah's neck burn. She was about to excuse herself when Mr. Kim looked at So Young. Daughter, show our arrival where the outhouse is. A few minutes later, Hannah hobbled back to her room, where the view of the two men was blocked, but not the sound. I still don't know what Moses was thinking. Mr. Kim's volume had steadily increased. She did what she could to keep from eavesdropping, but the fine hairs on the back of her neck stood on end, and she couldn't ignore their words. She can't even be twenty years old. Next thing you know, he'll expect me to send my own daughter across the border. Moses has a reason for everything he does. Guan's voice was steady, and Hannah longed to let her soul absorb its confidence. Mr. Kim laughed mirthlessly. He has reason, sure enough. His situation is precarious. Hannah noted the reverence in Quan's voice. He's constantly in danger. 
Mr. Kim grunted. So am I. But you don't see me plucking little girls out of nursery school and throwing them to the Pyongyang Tigers. Hannah wished she could ignore their conversation, but even though her head was heavy with fever and her body trembled with chills underneath the blanket, her mind tuned in to every syllable. She came from Chongjin, Quan stated. She obviously endured a lot at the jail. She must have proven herself to someone over there, gotten Moses' attention somehow. They say he has connections within. I don't need to be told about his connections, Mr. Kim spat. The conversation ended for a moment, and when it resumed, the whispers were too faint for Hannah to decipher. Throughout the rest of the evening, So Young tiptoed in every now and then to pat down Hannah's clammy forehead with a cool rag or offer some bitter tea. As she nursed Hannah's fever and injured leg, So Young might have passed as a teenager if she weren't so tiny. Other times, like when she giggled and played with Quan, she didn't seem a day older than Wung and the other flower swallows Hannah had cared for so many years ago. Were any of them still alive? She had lost count of how many she had buried before she finally crossed the border and found her way to the Stearns. She won't be able to make any deliveries until that leg heals. Hannah overheard Mr. Kim's remark and wondered if he already regretted her presence here, if he begrudged her the two cups of tea and splint she had claimed her first day as his guest. I doubt she's ready to go yet anyway, Quan replied. She needs time to heal. Hannah shut her eyes, wondering what they'd say if they knew she was listening. She's been through a lot. The girl's safe now, Mr. Kim interrupted. She should be grateful to have a roof over her head, not an unmarked tombstone. Hannah wished So Young would return with more tea. Her throat was parched. Quan stayed for supper that evening, and So Young prepared a vegetable dish and hearty broth soup. The conversation was sparse. Quan's trivial chatter invited nothing but angry murmurs from Mr. Kim at the head of the table. Hannah thought back to the dinner conversations in Yanji, the theological debates Mr. Stern was so happy to moderate, the times when she and Simon broke away from the others— to share a private moment in the midst of such boisterous fellowship. Hannah couldn't offer Quan more than a passing glance. He reminded her too much of Simon. It wasn't his build exactly. She had studied him further and decided he was more wiry and angular than Simon, but both young men possessed a strengthening, calming presence. The similarity between them embarrassed her for some reason she couldn't articulate. She sipped at her soup but had lost her appetite. Her fever was improving by the hour, the result perhaps of So Young's herbal concoction, but the meal was far too spicy. When was the last time Simon ate anything but prison gruel? Did the guards bother to feed him at all anymore? She thought of their last moment together, when his tormented cry followed her out of the interrogation room. He called out her name, but what was left for them to say in such a short time? She played through those last seconds, the things she might have told him. She wanted him to know how sorry she was. 
She would never stop blaming herself for distracting him from his mission. It would have been better if the two of them had never met again after crossing the border. Something beeped. A strange electronic noise. Mr. Kim fumbled in his pocket and pulled out a small phone. He squinted and frowned. I have to go. He scraped his chair out behind him. I'll be back later. A pang of guilt pricked Hannah's conscience when she realized she was relieved to see him depart. The mood around the table relaxed almost immediately after he left. How is your wound? It was the first time Quan spoke directly to her all night. I think it's going to heal up just fine. Inwardly, she blamed the flush creeping up her face on her subsiding fever. And your... Quan stared into his lap and cracked a knuckle. How was everything else? She wasn't sure what he already knew about her, but the question left her skin cold and clammy. So young is taking very good care of me. She wasn't certain if this was the sort of response he expected or not. He leaned back in his chair. You must have made quite an impression at Chongjin. They hardly ever send women to us, and never anyone so young. Hannah felt she should reply somehow, but the words got jumbled in her mouth. I had a friend there, she muttered, in the jail. Quan nodded. I'm sorry you were separated from each other. His penetrating glance suggested he knew more about the situation than Hannah would have wished. So, Mr. Kim is your uncle? She had to keep her mind off Simon. He's my mentor. We're not actually related. Quan took a noisy slurp of soup before declaring, Little sister, your cooking grows more and more delicious every time I visit. Hannah forgot her own discomfort when she saw the deep red inching its way all the way up to the tips of So Young's ears. Quan grinned and reached under his chair. I brought you a birthday present, by the way. So Young's flush morphed into a childish beam that lit up her entire face. She clasped her hands in front of her. You remembered! Quan laughed easily. How could I forget my favorite eleven-year-old? He pulled out a small bundle wrapped in thin paper. Happy birthday. So Young grabbed the package with both hands and let out a delightful squeal. Shreds of paper fell to the ground until she held a small doll in the crook of her arms. She's perfect. So Young glowed adoringly at her gift. Quan beamed proudly, and Hannah realized she was a stranger, witnessing a moment entirely unfit for outsiders. You've been listening to the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. Today's episode is an installment of Torn Asunder, written by me, Alana Terry, and narrated by Pamela Lawrence. This season of the Unabridged Audiobook Podcast is sponsored by our Patreon community, where you can get regular Christian fiction audiobooks, ebooks, and even paperbacks, and all the funds that we raise go directly to Liberty and North Korea's Underground Railroad for refugees. You can find out more or get involved today at 
patreon.com slash alanaterry. Thanks again for listening to today's show. Please don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time for the next installment of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. Have a great day and we'll talk to you soon.